Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, today we're going to be continuing the last and the third part of the Exploit Maker series that we had started, I think, um, three or four weeks ago, where we talked about the three Ps of personal exploits. And I was saying, if we're going to be great exploit makers in our generation, we have to look inwards and begin the exploit with ourselves. It has to come from personal standpoints, like in our own individual lives, our family. And we looked at the personal price to pay to make personal exploits. And then we talked about passion. How do you channel your passion in a way that you fulfill purpose with your passion? The third one is posterity. That is the third P. The first P is personal prize. The second P is passion and purpose. And the third one is posterity. And today I will be talking to you on living for posterity. Living for posterity. That is a fight for a generation. The generation that is trapped on our inside. The generation that the Lord wants to manifest through us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I want us to begin by saying that when you honor God with your life, he puts upon you a blessing that gives you an advantage. That is very important. And I'm, I'm going to say that again. When you and I live our lives to honor God, we live our lives and put, give them an advantage. Noah found favor with God and he built the ark and he saved his household and entire generation. So when we live to honor God, David, the Bible says he served God in his generation and he was a man after God's own heart. Before he rested with his fathers, he said God in his generation and he rested with his fathers. So I want you to understand that the objective of today's ministration is how can you and I go back to the drawing board? How can we revisit the foundation of our lives? How can we go back to the cradle of our destiny? The things that we are aware about and begin to see how to live honorably before God in the way that God puts a blessing on our lives. And that begins to give us an advantage, our children and even those before us and even future generations. That is the objective of today's ministration. In Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine, I'm going to run through some scriptures and I'll begin to lay foundation for some deep truths in the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. It says, <clears throat> Know therefore that the Lord your God is God and faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy. Please take note of that. 
He keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So God is a generational God. God is a continuing God. God looks at you and he doesn't see just you. God sees all the nations that are trapped on your inside. Isn't it amazing that each time people were blessed in the scriptures, their blessings were not complete. All prophetic blessings in the scriptures were not complete until there's a proclamation of a nation. And, you know, when they talk to Abraham, he say, in you, all nations shall be blessed. When Rebecca was blessed, when Sarah was blessed, he said, out of your womb shall come nations. And then talk about kings. When Rebecca was released, he said, mother of nations you shall be. Hallelujah. When even uh, Jesus Christ was to be born and the angel appeared to Mary, he spoke about peoples. He spoke about nations. He said, great people will see light out of darkness. So you see that every prophetic blessing carries that dimension of a nation. Why? Because as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. The genes, when we talk about genes in biological sense, genes speaks of what carries traits, hereditary traits, from one, um, one, one recipient to another and from one recipient to another and it gets transferred, handed down like that, you know, generationally, hallelujah. The same way there are spiritual genes. In fact, I want to refer to the blessings of God as spiritual genes that traps a nation on your inside. So when we're talking about generation is a combined word or combination or compound word of gene traveling through a nation. Hallelujah. Generation. Amen. So we're talking about God who keeps mercy and covenant with them that love him and them that keep his covenants to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. Can somebody speak prophetically to themselves? Say, I carried the thousand blessing. Amen. I carried the generational blessing. I carried the thousand blessing. Let's open to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If somebody is following me and you are being blessed, I want you to shout hallelujah in the chat box. If this word is for you, Exodus 20 verse 4. It says, and you shall not make unto you any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Now, this God is warning about something that opens what I call generational curses. And you see, there have been a lot of mis misconceptions about generational curses because some people say, when it's generational curse uh, and we are in Christ, does it cancel our generational curse? I want you to look critically at the word of God. There's some things the Holy Spirit is opening up, set of practices. These practices, <coughs> just as, as I said earlier, serving God, honoring God with your life can open up generational blessings. There are set of practices 
that evidence in scriptures validates that it can actually open a curse on a person's life, on their family, and even on generation after them. <clears throat> and some of you here, you are actually, you didn't even commit this practice. Some of you did not put your hands into this practice, but somehow, 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 uh, the, the, there's an access, the enemy has been able to successfully create an access for the consequences of these practices to be handed down. But I am praying today that as you hear this word, the power of God will revisit your life again. And there will be a deliverance from the foundation, and not just deliverance. There will be there will be liberation. There will be light and understanding, and God will bring a true transformation to your life in the name of Jesus. Now, look at what He says in Exodus chapter twenty, verse four. He says, "You shall not make any graven image." nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. That means you cannot even decorate, you cannot worship the image of an angel. You cannot even worship the image of the throne of God. That's what he's saying. You cannot worship, you cannot say you, you see a celestial vision and you are worshiping the image. Anything that is an image, God himself hated. And God, God, God sees it as a hatred from the heart that perpetrates such. Amen. He said, I, the Lord, he said, because I am a jealous God, look at what he said, because I'm a jealous God, I, the Lord, your God, I'm jealous and I will visit in the iniquity. I want you to take note of iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Meaning that after the fourth generation, God is expecting a new turn. Now, if nobody arises in that family and serve God and bring a new turn to that trajectory, the cycle of the curse continues. It automatically rolled again. You know, it begins again to the third and to the fourth generation of them that hate me, even if they had stopped practicing it. This is important. This is very, very critical. But I love verse six. It says, but he will show mercy to thousands. So God, when it comes to being merciful, he speaks in thousands. Look at the disparity in the numbers. He says, I will do first generation, second and third and fourth generation. But once somebody stands up in Christ and says, this curse must break, this affliction must stop, this cycle must stop. In my family, God said he's ready to partner his mercies with that individual for a thousand generations. How many of you again are ready for this thousand dimension of the blessings of God to give us an advantage in the name of Jesus? Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Amen. And that's the word of God. It said, I will not hold guiltless those who use my name in vain. I want to share something with you about idolatry. You know, idolatry, you need to understand that what brought, one day I was just, I was just thinking, I was reflecting, and I said, 
why do we have a lot of woes, a lot of troubles betiding, especially the black race? I was just disturbed. I was like, why is it that it just seemed like anything you anything if you if you study medicine, all the all the things that any any disease or or disease state that is chronic, whether it's diabetes, cardiovascular issues, or anything you see that has to do with race, you're gonna spot the black man as a victim. I say, why, Lord, what is going on? Because you have, you're, you're a just God. You said in your word that there is no Greek, there's no Jew, and God is, is the father of all. And God cannot, you know, single out one person and say, I put you down. No, that's not God that we know from the word of God. Even though some people have used that, okay, over the years to perpetrate racial hate and all of that, but that's not God. That's not God. And one of the things that the Lord opened my eyes to is that of all the racial sins, I want you to understand that it's not only the black man or Africans that really committed the sin of idolatry. You, the Romans historically were into all kinds of idolatry. The, um, the, um, those in the Middle East, before the religions came, all those religions came, they were into idolatry. Even Asians were into idolatry. But the kind of idolatry you see in Africa, those of you who know Africa very well and who have that background, you know that it's not just an idolatry for advancement. It's not an idolatry to, to be better. It's an idolatry of hate and witchcraft to pull down your neighbor, to destroy the goods, to hold captive and put in bondage destinies. Amen. To, to destroy lives, to destroy glorious destinies. That's a kind of idolatry. And God hates that. And God said he will not hold any generation guiltless who is into that. And that is the reason why you see a lot of suffering, a lot of generational um, impact and consequence of some of the things that have been done by ancestors and fathers. So today's teaching is to open your eyes first to the need to do that research. And secondly, to go about your assignments. Hallelujah. I'm going to read some two more scriptures. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. God was speaking about Abraham. He said, I know Abraham that he will order his house and command them after me. He will order and command them. That's important. God knew that he would do that. But this was even before the law. Abraham never practiced the laws of God. He never, he never practiced the law Moses gave. But Abraham had that testimony with God that he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Galatians chapter 3. Let's go to Galatians 3 verse 18. Galatians 3 verse 18, where he was talking about Abraham, that he did not get the inheritance by law, by observing the law. He actually got the inheritance by promise. God did it to him by virtue of promise. It was a promise. But how did God trust Abraham to release the inheritance, which is a blessing that you and I were actually 
having access to by Christ, amen, in, in Galatians chapter 3, it says in verse 18, for if by, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. It was by promise. Abraham did not practice the Ten Commandments, but God saw in Abraham a system of honoring him, a system of following him. Mind you, Abraham came from an idolatrous background. Abraham's father worshipped idols, okay? But he, he, called, he pulled himself, he separated himself. And I'm praying for someone today that you will be the outlier for God to impact his blessings, generational blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, even as Abraham believed God. So Abraham he had developed that system in himself to honor God, to serve God, to follow God. And God saw it in him that he was going to transfer that system to his children. Let me say this. If you are a Christian and your Christianity is not transferable to your children, you are not a true Christian yet. I'm not saying this to put you down, but if you are a believer of Christ and you have not, you have not begun to wake, to wake up to the need to see that your faith in Christ is transferred to your children and transferred to the next generation. We're not saying that they will all be perfect, they will all be saints from the womb, no. I'm saying that the system in place in your life, in your family, such that your children, God will look at you and say, these children will follow I can invest with this family. I can invest with this man. I can, I can release my inheritance because I know that his children has been given that system, that awareness to follow the Lord. You have shown them enough. Before I talk about your assignment, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 22, verse 30 and 31, a seed, let's open it. Psalms, let me look at my time. Whoops. Psalms chapter 22, Psalms 22, hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus, hallelujah, amen. Psalms 22, verse, verse 30, amen. Psalms 22, verse 30, a seed. Now he's talking about one seed. You and I shall serve him and it shall be accounted, it shall be credited to the Lord for a generation. So the concept of a generation, like I said, it's God sees you as an opportunity to enter into a generation. God sees your life as an opportunity to invade, to, to abide, or to, to come into a generation. God said a lot of wonderful things about David, and in fact, the grace Solomon enjoyed, Solomon did not really live the life to earn the grace he enjoyed. Uh, it was David that lived that life. David lived that life of consecration. David lived that life of pursuit after God. He was a man after God's heart. So you can be like that and your children and even yourself can benefit from that blessing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now, in closing, I'm going to give us four major assignments. I mean, three major assignments, if I'm able to finish this, but I might continue. 
And then sometime in October, I want you to pray with me. Say, what is my assignment as an exploit maker? Number one, as an exploit maker, you need to carry out a diligent, careful research and investigate what blessing or curse is traveling through your generations. What blessing or curse is traveling through your generation? There are some sicknesses, uh, you know, we, we say, of course, those, those are medical, uh, we say that if there's a medical history, even the practitioners of medicine, they will talk about medical history. They say, what's the medical history? Does someone in your family has diabetes? Does someone in your family have high cholesterol? Does someone has hypertension? Oh, they're going to be at risk for atherosclerotic. Uh, they're going to have increased atherosclerotic risk for cardiovascular disease. You know, they begin to look at risk. Does somebody have a risk of prostate cancer in the family? Does someone have a risk of, 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 of breast cancer in the family and all that? But you need to understand that the Bible gives us a perspective to diseases. It talks, it called them diseases of long continuance. And God said, he said, I will bless your bread, bless your water, and I will remove sicknesses far from you. And he called them these diseases upon the Egyptians, diseases of long continuance. That means they will go from generation to generation. I am praying in the mighty name of Jesus that as you research, you begin to appropriate. At times, you will notice some manifestation. Some things can skip you and go to your children. Some things can skip you. I'm going to say that again. They can skip you and go to your children. And that is why it's important to break them once and for all. Hallelujah. So there's need for that careful search. What has been handed down, knowingly and unknowingly? Is it unfinished battles? There are some spiritual battles that are unfinished. Okay? They, they, they are battles that are unfinished. And you just have to fight them. You just have to fight them. Hidden problems. Hidden problems that comes as health problems. It can come as delay in marriage. It can come as delay in childbirth. It can come as delay in job. It can come as some people just go from problems to problems. Imagine you, your life is just about solving problems, difficult problems. As they're solving one problem, there's another problem, then there's another problem. I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God will invade your life. And that cycle will cease in Jesus' name. Shout it loud, amen, if you believe it. Hallelujah. Now, secondly, aside investigating and researching into unfinished battles, ancestral depths, and hidden problems, I want you to say it loud, amen, if you're still in this meeting. The second thing is we need to invest quality prayers into our generation. We, we, you know, there's, there's something well, somebody said to me, one of the, he's past now, he's an older uncle of mine in the family. He looked at me, he said, ah, he saw my devotion and as a young man, he said, your mates typically, what they're doing is chasing girls around, running around and doing things. He said, but you, you're using your own youth 
to fast, to pray, to seek God. He said, you are actually praying yourself. He said, you are investing prayers into your future. Quality prayers. Invest quality prayers into your generation. James chapter 5, verse 16. He says, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Isaiah chapter 65, 16. He says, if any man blesses himself, Isaiah 65, 16. If any man blesses himself in the earth, let him bless himself in the God of truth. So there are ways you can, you can pray yourself like Jabez prayed. He said, oh, that God will bless me. That man saw something was wrong. The Bible said that he was honorable amongst his brethren. That was the report of heaven. Heaven looked at him and saw honor in his life, but Jabez was a child of sorrow. There was just problems in his life because his mom named him out of sorrow. That was what set up the altar for those problems in his life. The naming, the christening, the wrong name, the wrong identity, the strange hands that were laid on him at childbirth, the strange mouth, the, the tongue that spoke with evil anointing into his life as a baby. That was what ushered problems into Jabez's life. And Jabez prayed. Prayer can turn things. And I'm praying that as you, as you connect more with prayer huddle, and you begin to activate and put to work all this truth you're hearing, you will not just hear it and say, oh, wow, I, 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 just, I just clicked. You know, some people will join prayer huddle and they're doing other things. But you are writing. Amen. You are writing these things. You're writing them down. And you go back and investigate them in the spirit. Hallelujah. He prayed. He said, oh, that God will bless me indeed and, and enlarge my course and put his hand upon me and remove evil far from me, that he touched me not. And God heard him. In Job chapter 22, verse 23, he said, if you return unto the Almighty, then you will be built up. You know, some of you need to understand. He said, an iniquity shall be removed from your tabernacles. When we pray, there are, there, are, there are systems called iniquity. I want you to understand that there's difference between sin and iniquity because most people mix it up. David tried to throw some light to it and explain it. David was praying and he was saying in Psalms 50, let's open to that Psalms 51. And anytime you pray, you need to understand that there's a big difference between when you're talking about iniquity and sin. It says in Psalm 51, it says in verse, in verse 5, it says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Let me read that in the Hebrew. I want to read that to you in the Hebrew Bible. In the Hebrew Bible, it says in the Hebrew Bible, indeed, I was born with iniquity. I was born with iniquity, with sin, with sin. My mother conceived me. Now, David must have heard the story. David was from, you know, royal Judah family. Uh, Jesse was a very prominent man. He was a king's man, redeemer. Okay, that means he had he had a staff. He was a man with a staff in the land. But David, that's Jesse, David's father. But David's birth, there's a lot of controversy around it. One, people, it's not so certain that David was born by a legitimate mother in the house. Because how will a man 
have the prophet come to your house and you present all your songs and the prophet had to say, isn't there any more songs, any other one? Because all these ones, God is not accepting them. He said, oh yeah, there's one in the backside of the woods and that was David. So David was that child. He tried to hide from his reproach. For, from his reproach, he tried to keep away, okay? He was that secret child of a secret woman. And David was saying it here. He said, it was with sin that my mother conceived me. But before that, I want you to see what he said. He said, in iniquity, I was shaping. That is, iniquity is a system of, is, is when sin becomes systematized in a person's life or in a family. Because if you look at this family of Judah, the same Judah, the great-great-grandfather, he did the same thing. He slept with, you know, a woman that was not his wife. He slept with, in fact, the wife of his own sons, okay, who had died because his first son married this woman, died. The second one, according to the law, the second one took over. That one went there and did the first contraceptive, unauthorized, un un unlicensed contraceptive measure. He, he enjoyed the woman and was time to give her. He pulled, he withdrew. And God smote him immediately because he spilled the seed on the floor out of wickedness, out of wickedness, not because he was trying to prevent pregnancy. And the third, and, and Judah feared for the third one. He said, this is a child. I don't want to give this woman that is just killing, killing all my children. So he, he refused. And the Bible says she tricked him, pretended like an harlot, and he slept with her. And, and Judah lost his authority. He took God to restore his authority in the spirit. So that iniquity had been in Judah's lineage. And David was saying, in that iniquity, in that idolatry, in that adultery, I am shaped. That means my configuration, my destiny has been marred by that iniquity. No wonder even David himself, at the peak of his destiny, what happened to him? The same idolatry showed up. He slept with Bathsheba. So we're talking about prayers that addresses iniquity, okay? We're talking about systems of iniquity because right now your sins are forgiven, you are in Christ, you are living the life of Christ, you are a new creature, but this iniquity is a system. It's just waiting to manifest in the destiny of a person. And men of God are falling victim of this. Women of God, great giants, are falling victim of what I'm talking about. It can be greed for money. It can be crave for power. It can be immoral issues. It can be, it can, it can be anything. Amen. It can be anything. You just see some women, their families are fine. Things are going fine. Just leave their husband, strangely, and follow a strange man. Because that iniquity is a time bomb that wants to be released. I pray in the name of Jesus. And no power of iniquity will rubbish our identity in Christ, our destiny in Christ, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, chat, chat and say loud amen to that. But prayer, 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 the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man will do it. It makes tremendous power available. With the word of God, challenge it with the blood. The Bible says, whom you resisted fastly. 
The devil answers only to power. He answers to resistance. That's all. He resisted fastly. Hallelujah. Resisted fastly. There are some families. Blood is in their hands. Blood is in their hands. And even now that they are no longer shedding physical blood, but some things are still, blood is going, you know? So you have, you have to stand and say, no, this cycle must break. I have to investigate this because when you begin to investigate, God's light shines on it. And as the light of God shines, the power of God is released. Secondly, invest prayers. Ah, I, I fear a man or woman. If you are pregnant, please, that is a golden time to even to cause correct a lot of things spiritually during pregnancy, okay? Now, after pregnancy, then begins another phase of prayer. In fact, I think that the call to parenthood is a call to priesthood, is a call to prayers, is a call. If, if you say, I can't pray, I don't feel like praying, you are under serious attack. It's an attack of the enemy. For you not to pray is an attack of the enemy. Because the enemy knows if you don't pray, no tremendous power will not be available. A lot of things will slide under your roof. A lot of afflictions will slide. Satan will plant a lot of seeds. Your children will be afflicted. Your wife, things will be happening. Satan loves that. But today, receive the power. I say receive the power. If you are receiving it, please receive it. I say receive the power and the grace to, uh, to be awoken into your priestly authority, to begin to pray, to begin to pray, to begin to spend time on prayer and spend time on your knees, begin to prophesy to your children, prophesy to your destiny, prophesy. Hallelujah. Be that watchman, deadly watchman on exploits for your home in the name of Jesus. The third one, start a blessing. How do I start a blessing? You see, a blessing can be kick-started. If you, if you begin to sow seeds for the future, you sow good seeds. You know, one excellent way to sow good seeds is what are you doing with your resources? You know, one day, one day my, I, I, have, I used to have a boss, anytime she's very impressed, sow seeds. Don't fail to invest in the future. And one way you can do that, help the poor, help the elderly, and give to the cause of the kingdom. The Bible says where the, the treasure of a man, his, his heart is there. Give to the cause of the kingdom. He says, sow seeds to the future. I, I tell them, whenever they say, what do you do with your money? I tell them that, David's sake, my servant. In Isaiah 37, verse 35, for David's sake, my servant. You, so God can, for your sake, for your sacrifice, you start a blessing. Start a blessing. Initiate the cycle of a blessing in your life. Be that woman that when you marry, you come to your husband's house, floodgates are just opening, things are opening. Be that man that you marry a woman, you know, she begins to experience God in another dimension because you are giving that covering. Start a blessing, sir. Start a blessing. Malachi chapter 3, 16 to 17. Oh, wow. Oh, Lord, I pushed this one. Malachi 3, 16 to 17. How many of you are blessed by this word as we close Malachi 3, 17? God began to say something here. 
He says, verse 16, then they that fear the Lord speak one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it in a book of remembrance. So there is an account in heaven. It's called the book of remembrance, was written for before them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name, people who, who carry God in their heart, who are not disdainful towards God, who honor God. And you see, you, you don't see God. It is we you see. You see men. If you don't honor, God said, if you don't love a fellow man, can you say you love God? If you don't honor men of God, honor people of God, honor servants of God, you cannot say in your heart you honor God. He says, those who taught upon his name who honor him. He said, they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I will make up my jewels and I will spear them as a man spears his son. God is saying that I will exempt you. I will exempt your house, exempt your children. He said, then you will return and discern. You will understand and between the righteous. You will distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between him who served God in his generation and who did not serve God in his generation. I want us to pray. And I want you to just unmute yourself quickly as I pray for you. And, and the prayer we're going to pray today is simple. Lord, I want to serve you. Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.